You're now listening to a podcast of Revolution Church, located at 1702 6th Street in Portsmouth, Ohio. Revolution meets on Sunday evenings at 6.30 p.m. For more information, visit www.revolutionchurchohio.com or check out our Facebook page. Because if we're going to pray with any measure of faith, we must be convinced that God actually hears us. And I would argue that that only happens through assurance. We're only really going to pray in faith if we know that we're saved. But this is really astounding, at least for, for me to think about. Like, if you're really convinced of what, like, a sinner you are, and you spend any time at all meditating on that, like your own depravity and wretchedness before a holy God, God actually desires your prayers. Right? Like, that's nuts that God actually has an open ear to you, his child. People who daily sin, who daily break the commandments of God are still called His children and He beckons us to come talk to Him. Right? He doesn't cast us away from Him, but He says, come, talk, come to the throne of grace. Come. And we can approach His throne boldly and pour our hearts out to Him. Like the Apostle Paul says, we can cast our cares on Him. This is a huge privilege for us. That God beckons us to come to him in prayer. The creator of all things would have us come and commune with him in this intimate way. I think that we're really quick to forget that this is a privilege for us. You don't get to do this by yourself. This is a privilege that you have as one of his people, as one of his children, right? This is specifically reserved for his children. God does not call the world to pray to him. God does not call upon the unbeliever, the unregenerate person, to cast their cares upon him. He doesn't. I would make the argument, which we're not getting into this evening, that God is under zero obligation whatsoever to hear the prayer of the unconverted. Except a converting prayer, asking God for the forgiveness of sins. He's under no obligation whatsoever to hear the unbeliever pray to him. He may or may not, but he's under no obligation. He only promises to hear his children What a privilege we have to come before him. And I think that we take this for granted. And we take it for granted so much, some of us, that you neglect prayer entirely. Right? And again, I'm I'm, I'm talking to, to myself in some measure on this too, so I don't think I'm being too harsh with you. But let me lay this before you. To neglect prayer is the height of ignorance. Or ignorance, arrogance. It's also ignorant too. We'll go with both of those. Write those both down. Write it down. (laughs) To neglect prayer is the height of arrogance. To refuse to take our cares and our situations and our desires and our worries and our emotions, our whole lives to God. To refuse to do that is to say, I've got this. And I don't need help. Or, uh, I'll figure this out on my own, Lord. You don't need to come in on this. You would never actually say that, right? Because I've, I've addressed this with some of you guys saying, like, I don't pray. It's like, you do realize how arrogant that is, right? Well, I'm not saying that I don't need help. Well, yeah, you are, actually. Your actions are revealing that because you're not asking God for any aid, right? It's utter arrogance. Prayer is an expression of our dependence upon God. So to neglect prayer is essentially the same thing as asserting your independence from God, and that is utter nonsense, You don't know if you're going to breathe five minutes from now. You control nothing. 
You are utterly dependent. You need the aid of God daily. We control nothing. So let me say this. Humble yourself before him. Those of you who neglect prayer, who don't view it as a priority, right? And again, I'll raise my hand on this. Read, you think reading your Bible is significantly more important than praying. Yeah, that hurt someone here. I know that, right? I fall into that camp too, but we're fools if we think that way. And I'm not ne- saying neglect your Bibles for prayer. Balance them out. Do both. Both and, not either or. Humble yourself before him. Pray. Don't neglect this. Just a quick quote on this from Thomas Watson about people who neglect prayer. He's a Puritan. He's real good. He said, Christ went more willingly to the cross than we do to the throne of grace. And that's the truth sometimes, isn't it? We don't want to pray. But one last thing before we get into the core meaning of this text. I'm trying to be pastoral here. I wanted to address prayer and the need for prayer. But I also want to encourage you. If you're here and you're a Christian, I want to encourage you before we actually get into the meat of this text. And please hear me. God hears you when you pray. Know that. God actually hears you when you pray. He hears the cries of his people. And sometimes we feel like he doesn't. But he always does. I know that I'm talking to some people here this evening because I sit down with you and I know what's on your minds. I know where a lot of you are at. God always hears the cries of his people. I know that there are a lot. I mean, for us to be a small church, there's a lot of junk going on in this congregation. I know that many of you are dealing with some hard circumstances and have been, prayer, have been in prayer about a lot of things. I know we have families in this church that have been begging God for children. That have been asking God for a stable job. That have been asking God to send them a spouse. That have been asking God for physical healing of themselves and the people that they love. People who have been asking God for the salvation of their family members. And it's not happening yet. It's not happening yet. And maybe you sit by yourself I've been there, and you cry and you wonder, does God care? Is he listening? Am I being ignored by the one who is so supposed to be my father? Is he ignoring me? Let me say this first, of course he cares. Of course he cares. God loves you. Again, a statement we take for granted and think is kind of cliche. God loves you. He sent His Son to live and die for you. He has adopted you into His family through His Son. He's caused you to be born again of His Spirit. He claims you as His own in a way that He does not claim everyone. He claims you as His. He chose you before you were born to be a part of His family. Don't question His love for you. Don't question whether or not He cares for you. He has proven it in manifold ways in Christ crucified for your salvation. And nothing can separate you from that love. Rest in that. Of course He loves you. And secondly, God absolutely hears your prayers. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. I know what you're thinking. I am not righteous. I am a wretch. You're right, but you are righteous in Christ Jesus. 
He is your source of righteousness. Believer, you have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, so this proverb applies to you. He hears the prayers of the righteous. You're following Christ. You're striving for righteousness. Furthermore, you've been clothed in His righteousness. He hears you. He hears you. God would not call us to prayer if He was not going to listen. Right? God's not arbitrary. He wouldn't call us to prayer if He wouldn't listen. He is your Father, and like a good father... He always gives a hearing to his children. Always. Like I was talking with Brandon Pate, my brother-in-law. They just had a baby, right? Baby Sam. Which he had a really cool shirt on today that said his uncle's tattoos are cooler than your uncle's. Which I appreciated. Right? But like Pate, we and him were talking about uh, him and, and his newborn son. And he was talking about how like he was up all night. Right? Up all night. Sam kept crying like every half hour. Pate was telling me, dude, I got like two and a half hours of sleep. And if this continues, I really don't know if I'm cut out to have a second kid. Um, like he was kinda, he's just really tired whenever he came into the store to talk to me. Right? But Brandon he heard him cry to this day, hears him cry, and gets up and helps his child. But what me and Pate were talking about, we were talking about prayer and God hearing us. Brandon may one day be so tired that he doesn't hear Sam cry. Really, Brandon could be so tired one day that he doesn't hear Sam cry out in the night. And what I, what I couldn't help but to think about, and this may be kind of whatever you guys, but I thought this was beautiful. Our Father neither sleeps nor slumbers and does not need rest, and there will never be one instance where we cry out to Him that He doesn't hear or that He's too busy with something else or that He's too selfish to do anything for us. A human father might fail in that regard, but our Heavenly Father will not. He always hears His people absolutely always hears us. But let's dig in to the meat of these two verses now. I promise we're not going to stay here for another hour. Don't worry about that. Verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So John says here that our confidence, our confidence in God is that he will hear our prayers. And in this context, to hear our prayers doesn't just mean to give us a hearing. I know that I was talking about that and I wanted to get pastoral with some of you on that. But in, in this context, to hear our prayers means to answer favorably, to answer with yes. Right? And verse 15 makes that clear. He says, if we know he hears us, then we know we have the requests. Right? So this is to answer us with a yes, that kind of hearing. But there is a caveat that we have to consider that a lot of prosperity gospel people, uh, if you ever watch TBN, it goes ignored whenever they quote verses like this. He says, if we ask anything according to his will that he hears us. Right? So we must pray according to his will or in accordance with his will. John Calvin said this in his commentary on this passage, which you guys should buy. You can get it like an app for like 15 bucks, Calvin's commentary. Download it. It's good. Calvin said that this is the law of prayer. This is the law of prayer, that we pray according to the will of God. Right? So we are not given unbridled liberty to ask for just anything that we want and then expect God to say yes. Right? We're not given that kind of liberty here. The law of prayer is that we pray according to his will. Right? Obviously, we are not supposed to pray for sinful things. 
right? You're a fool if you're like, Lord, please let me sleep with my girlfriend this evening. Like, let today be the day. You're an idiot, right? You're not allowed to pray for sinful things, obviously. You can't pray contrary to God's law. We aren't to pray with selfish motives, right? We're not to pray being self-seeking, right? Trying to just further our status or whatever position that we're in in life. We're not to pray with selfish motives. And we aren't to pray, this is huge, we are not to pray with the pretense that God must do what we ask. Absolutely not. We are not to pray that way, as if we can command the Almighty to do anything. I was talking to Steve downstairs. I talk to Steve a lot downstairs. Uh, <laughs> We talk about this singer who, who in, in the middle of this song, she's a charismatic lady, and she just starts like freestyling a prayer. And she said, God, come down upon us. We command you. And I was afraid that my iPod was going to explode in my hand because that is blasphemy. Right? You, you can't command God to do anything. We can't be presumptuous whenever we pray that God must do whatever we ask him to do. All of our prayers are to be subjected to the will and good pleasure of our sovereign God. That's the law of prayer. We pray according to his will. But our problem is that we often make requests and don't think about God's will at all. Like none. None. It's all about what we want. Right? We view God like he's a cosmic vending machine. Right? Like A7, please, Lord. Like that nice looking spouse and a new car. Right? Foolishness. We think that prayer is how we twist the arm of the Almighty to get him to change his mind and to do our bidding. That's how a lot of us view prayer. If I just pray right, if I say the right thing, whatever, if I act pious enough, then whenever I go to God in prayer, I can twist his arm and he's going to do my bidding. False. By the way, if you look at like pagan religions of the past, that's how they viewed prayer. Right? That's how they viewed worship. We can twist the arm of this false God to do what we want. That's how pagans pray. Sometimes people, in that same vein where we're trying to get God to do our bidding, sometimes people think that God has failed them because they pray for something and they don't get it. They think God failed them. But really, they were trying to get God to do their will instead of seeking and submitting to God's will. And just stop here for a beat. Have you not done this? I don't know if some, I really don't. This isn't like the, the, the false question. I don't know where some of you are at because I know where some of us are struggling with things and dealing with really hard circumstances where we're asking God to do something for us that we really want him to do. But have you done this? Where you think God is failing you or that God has failed you because you've asked for something and didn't get it. And then you get angry with him because he hasn't done the thing that you asked him to do. I love you enough to say this. How dare you? I really mean that. And I'm talking to myself right now because I'm going through some stuff myself. How dare we get angry with God when he doesn't give us what we've asked for? To think a sinner angry with the holy God. We have no right. So if this is you, or this is something you're prone to, repent. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness over this heart of anger that you've harbored towards him because we have no right. He has been entirely too good to us for us to ever lodge a complaint against him. We are the clay. He is the potter. He does as he wills and he has saved us. We have no legitimate right to be angry with him. 
back to this. We, we tend to pray selfishly and not according to God's will. Right? We tend to pray selfishly. We, we say, let your will be done, Lord. But we don't really mean it. It's just something that we tack on to the end of a prayer. Right? Like the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen. Right? Which is nothing wrong with in your prayers that way. But we forget what that means. And I feel like this was a relevant time to bring this up. In John 14, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this will I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Right? But to pray in Jesus' name means to pray in harmony with his agenda. To pray in harmony with his person, with his teaching, with him. It's the same thing that John is saying here. Whatever you ask according to his will. To pray in the name of Christ is to pray according to the will of Christ, which is to pray according to the will of God. But again, we tack things that on. Lord, do your will. We tack it on there like that's what we've heard preachers pray. We've heard them do that. Or in Jesus' name, and we don't think about that. And God often doesn't answer our prayers because his agenda is different than ours. And that's not meant to be taken negatively. Clearly God's plan is better than ours. Who would have concocted the plan of salvation that he did? None of us. None of us. His agenda is different than ours. So he doesn't answer our prayers the way that we wanted to. But in reality, in reality, we should be grateful that God does not give us everything that we ask for. We would destroy ourselves. We would destroy ourselves. We, all, we so often, if you're going to be honest with yourself, like looking back on things that you've prayed in the past, like look back like five, ten years, if you've been a Christian that long, like we often ask for things that are of no spiritual good for us. Right? Like you really wanted to marry that person, and then like you get a few years later, the relationship fizzled out, and they go apostate, and you find out that like, they weren't a Christian. And you're like, man, if God would have gave me that, I would be stuck with an unbeliever for the rest of my life, right? Like, we ask for things that are of no spiritual good for us. That was just one example of, of many we could give. Or we ask for things that we're really not ready for yet, and God knows that, and we don't. Right? And furthermore, we often ask for things, like we, we, rather, we don't really know what we need. We don't know what to ask for. We're kids. We're like little kids. Think about like the infinite almighty God, the Father. We're children. We often don't know what we need. So we ask for things that are, would be of no spiritual good for us, could destroy us in the end, and furthermore, we don't even know what we need most of the time. So in answering our prayers only according with his will, God is actually protecting you from yourself. We should be grateful for this. Because furthermore, what good father gives his children everything that they ask for? Can I drive today, Dad? Sure, Sebastian. Look out, right? I love SIBO. You know that, Corey. But for real, uh, everyone in Sider County is dead. Uh, if, <laughs> if SIBO gets behind the wheel, that kid's insane. I love him. Right? But that would be irresponsible for a father to give their kid everything that they wanted. That would be unloving. Because children often ask for things that are not in their best interest. And it takes a loving parent to step in and say no. But getting down to brass tacks, what does it mean to pray according to his will? That's the real question. God answers prayers that are according to his will, so how might we pray this way? According to his will. Now you hear that phrase, I know some of you are probably thinking, I don't know God's will, <laughs> right? Nobody knows God's will. I don't know what God is going to do five minutes from now. I don't know what God's plan for my life is. How in the world am I supposed to pray according to his will? 
But there are two ways to understand God's will. The first is whenever we talk about the secret will of God. Or if you're a nerd, the decretive will. Right? Yeah, there's your $5 word for the day. The secret will of God. And this is the will that, this is the one you're probably thinking of whenever you hear God's will. This is the will that no one knows but God. It's why it's called his secret will, right? No one knows it but God. This, these are the specifics of everything that has ever or will ever come to pass, right? These are the things that God has decreed. That's why it's also called the decretive will, that God has decreed will come to pass and they always do. But we are not privy to this information, right? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. So the secret things belong to the Lord. Another translation says, the secret things of the Lord are the Lord's, <laughs> right? So we, this is his information only. He ain't sharing, and we don't get to inquire into this. Right? Was it Martin Luther said, it is impious to inquire into the secret will of God. And he's right. We're, we're not privy to that information. So that can't be what John is talking about. What he's talking about is the second way we can talk about the will of God, and that is the revealed will of God. This is what John's getting at. The revealed will of God is not that mysterious. It's the Bible. It's the scriptures. Quite literally, what he has revealed that he wants for his people. What he has revealed about himself and his will. This is the revealed will of God. So we're supposed to pray according to his will. So one of the ways we can understand this is that we pray according to the scriptures. We pray according to what God has revealed in his word. And as you read the Bible, you see that the things that God wants for his people, the things that God wills for his people that he lets us in on, lets us know, the, lets us know the things he wants us to pray for are mainly spiritual things. And this may kind of rub some of you all the wrong way. Right, but the revealed will of God shows us that God wants his people to be holy. He wants us to kill our sin. He wants us to understand his word. Right? Paul says the Bible is things freely given to us by God. He wants us to understand his word. God wants to see sinners come to know Christ. God wants to see his people be bold in evangelism. He wants his people to do good works in Christ's name for his glory. God wants his people to suffer in a godly way, right? Not avoid suffering, but to suffer in a way that honors Christ as holy. God wants his people to love one another. He wants us to keep from being influenced by the world. He wants his people to persevere in faith until the end. Now, again, we could keep going, but you see what I'm getting at. Spiritual things dominate the things that, that God reveals are his will for his people, so these things are spiritual, and these should be the focus of our prayers if we're going to pray according to his will. Now let me stop for a minute. I am not saying that you shouldn't pray for anything material. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for temporary things, that you shouldn't pray for earthly things. I'm not saying that. We can, you can see that all the time in, script, in the scriptures. You see some of the, in the Old Testament especially, some godly women asking God, please give me children. There's actually a line, uh, for, was it Sarah? Hannah, thank you. It was a cross-eyed one. Give me children or I die. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, it was the cross-eyed sister in Jacob's story, right? I, I, I'm always awful with that. I think it was her. 
Anyway, whatever, I could be wrong. But yeah, so we're allowed to pray for material, earthly things, temporary things. You're allowed to pray for a job. You're allowed, that's fine. But these earthly, temporal things, please hear me. This is what might rub you a bit wrong. They should not dominate your prayers. Earthly stuff should not dominate your prayers. The Lord's Prayer, the prayer Christ showed his people how to pray, actually shows us how to pray and what to pray for. And by the way, if you're a member here, I've given you a copy of the Baptist Catechism. Use it and study the Lord's Prayer. There's a bunch of questions on the Lord's Prayer and what we're praying for. Let's read it real quick. Let's look at the different petitions. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Right, so this is pretty easy. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. That's one. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As far as I could tell, there's eight, maybe nine petitions in that prayer. And seven of them are for spiritual needs. Or just praise. God, you are Father. Help me to see that you're holy. Right? Keep me from sin. Deliver me from the evil one. Right? All of these things, spiritual things. And then there is one. Give us what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. So there's one line in the prayer that is for material and temporary needs. And that covers a lot of stuff, right? Give us what we need is a very broad thing. We can request for much in that idea. But everything else in that prayer is spiritual. And furthermore, it's all centered around bring your kingdom, do your will. That's what it's all centered around. This is how we ought to pray. These are the kinds of things that we ought to pray for. So we can see that we're to pray for the things God has revealed that we should desire. And we see that in his word. But something else, there's another way that we can understand praying according to his will. And that is that we would gladly submit all that we pray for, all that we request, all that we desire to the sovereign good pleasure of God. And I think that's the primary meaning behind this. That we would submit every request that we've asked of God to his sovereign will. That from the heart, we would request thy will be done and mean it. Do your will, just like Christ did in Luke chapter 22. If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is how Christ prays. We see in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see in one of his final prayers, not my will, but yours. It's always about the will of God. It's always about submitting ourselves to his good pleasure, his plan, his secret will for our lives. Submission to him. Above all of our desires, all of our requests that we bring to him, we pray that God would do what he knows is best. And please, I say what he knows is best, not what he thinks is best. That we submit ourselves to Father, you know what I need. You know what needs to happen here. This is an expression of trust in our Heavenly Father. Father, this is what I want, but you know better. You know what I actually need. We ask God to overrule us and to rule over us for his glory and for the good of his people. We express trust in all things when we pray this way.
And verse 15 tells us that when we pray this way for godly things, submitting our desires to God's will, then we know that our requests are granted. So he says, point blank, you pray like this, you'll get what you prayed for. That is to say that we know our Father will do good for us. We know that he's going to bless us and we can rest in that. That is our certainty in prayer because we've submitted, submitted everything to his will. And from the heart, that's what we want. All these requests, Lord, I prayed for the kinds of things you revealed in your word, but I want you to do as you see fit because you are wiser than I. You know what I need. And we can rest in that. That's our certainty in prayer. This tells us something that's really important, especially I know a lot of us are in the midst of junk. I mean this. Like I had so many of you individuals in our church on my mind as I wrote this sermon. Hear me on this. The fact that we will have our requests that we ask in accordance with God's will tells us something very important. God is for you. I don't mean that in, in a stupid nonsense that like God is here to do your bidding, but he is for you. He is not against you. He'll give you what you need. He promises to hear your prayer and give you requests according with his will. He is for you. Even when you don't get the thing that you asked for, even when it was a good thing that you asked for, he's still for you. Remember, our confidence in prayer goes back to verse 13. That we know that we belong to Him. That we know that eternal life is ours. That we know He is our Father. That is the root and ground of our confidence in prayer. He is our Father and will only ever do good for us, even when we can't see how. Even when we don't see why, He's told us no. And we can rest in that no matter what's going on in our lives, because He promises to help us. Now, you might be asking yourself, and I'm going to try to make this quick, and I know I'm about 42 minutes deep. You might be asking yourself this, why should I pray then? Why should I pray then? If God always only does his will, and I need to pray in accordance with his will, submitting myself to whatever he wants to do anyway, what is the point of prayer? I got three things real quick. One, praying this way in accordance with his will, submitting ourselves to his will, it refocuses us on what actually matters as we look to the Bible to see what we should be praying about. It refocuses us. It gives us clarity on what we should be concerned with. Spiritual things. Not holding so tightly to this world and the things of this world, but it refocuses us. Things that don't much matter fade away. And we are tuned in to, to, to true reality, what actually matters. Second, prayer, this is huge, prayer is the ordained means by which we humble ourselves before God daily. This is how God has ordained that we would humble ourselves and foster humility before God in our lives. In prayer, we're recognizing who runs things, Right? We're forced to remember who's actually in control. We're forced to bow down before the creator and recognize ourselves as the creation that he rules over. We're forced to these things when we pray. And we humbly ask God for intervention and submit all that we are before him to be ruled over. This is humbling for us. We humble ourselves before our maker 
And God says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is good for us. And then thirdly, the God of the ends is the God of the means. The God of the ends is the God of the means. This is why we pray. God could work his will apart from prayer. And he does sometimes. But he has, by his holy wisdom, ordained that the prayers of his people are the vehicle by which he will work much of his will. Right? God has said, I could do it any way I want, but I'm going to do it through prayer. He's sovereign. He gets to make that call. So God has decreed that this thing is going to happen. Right? An example, I'm going to heal this person. And he's also decreed, I'm going to heal them in response to the prayer of Jeff. I could heal them apart from Jeff's prayer, but this is how I've ordained to do it. So then Jeff prays, and God heals the person in response to the prayer. Again, he could do it however he wants, but this is how he has ordained that he does things. Often, is in response to prayer. This is wild, actually, if you think about it for a minute. God is actually inviting us into how he works his will. He says, ask me for things, and I do things in, accord in accordance with my will as you pray for them. He's inviting us into how to play a part. This is incredibly gracious of God. But you'll notice something in those three reasons. In those three reasons I just gave you why we should pray. In all of them, we are the ones who are changing. We are the ones who are changing. We are humbling ourselves. We get to play a part in, 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 in what God is doing. You see what I'm getting at? We change. We ask for him to do his will. We change. And that's because prayer is designed to change us. It does not change God. God is immutable. He does not change his mind. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Prayer is meant to conform us to God's will and not the other way around. And certainly, what, what Christian would argue that that's not what's best? For us to be conformed to him. And what he wants. Prayer is the means by which God gives his people what he wants. And brings us in line with his will. But I'll close with this. We know that God hears us. If you're a Christian. We know God hears us. We know he will do good for us. And we know this because we know he has made us into his children by the work of Jesus Christ. By faith we have the Son. And if we have the Son we have the Father. And in God's unfathomable grace, this is huge, he has obligated himself to his children. There's nothing in us to make, us, uh, to make him obligate himself. He has chosen to obligate himself to those who have come to him through faith in Christ. Our Father is good and he will take care of us. We need only to ask. So go to him in prayer and have your requests heard. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a good father to us. That you hear us when we cry out to you. That you hear us now as we come to you in prayer. That you don't sleep. You don't get tired. You, you can, you're not bound to just do one thing at a time. But you hear all of your people that cry out to you all at once. Thank you for being so kind to invite us to your throne that we might pray. That we might cast our cares upon you that we might be refocused on what matters, that we might play a small part in the working of your will. That we might humble ourselves, Lord. Make us a people who humbly come before you.
God, help us to be a people. Grant to us that we would be a submissive people. That though we pray and we pray earnestly, knowing that you can do everything we're asking you, that we would submit to you. Lord, help us to remember that we're not submitting to a God who doesn't care and that we're not submitting to an arbitrary God, but that we submit everything that we are to a loving Father who has proven his love for us in sending his Son to die in our place. Help us to trust you. Help us to seek out your will through your word. Help us to submit. The Lord, we praise you. You're more gracious to us than we can ever ask for, that you call sinners your children. May your name be praised forever. In Christ's name, amen.